There's something evil stalking the streets of Derry, Maine. It lurks in the sewers, and it feeds on unsuspecting children. Perhaps the scariest part, it's been doing this for centuries. Watching, waiting, and feeding. But now it may have finally met its match in the Losers Club, a group of preteen outcasts who decide to take matters into their own hands and take on this ancient creature once and for all. To horror fans everywhere, this creature is known as Pennywise the Dancing Clown, but that's just one of many shapes taken by it. Time to get spooky, listeners, because this is Filmgasm. Another week goes down the drain, and Wednesday is upon us once more. Welcome to Filmgasm, where we love movies, especially horror movies, and we give our two cents on some of the best and worst ones out there. I'm Connor Izagari, your humble host in a creepy wed wig and big floppy shoes. With me is my co-host, Austin Johnson, who slightly resembles a 90s-era Tim Curry holding a big bunch of balloons. <laughs> this week sees the release of the long-awaited finale to Andy Muschietti's Pennywise saga, It Chapter 2. So what better time to delve into the backstory of what many consider to be Stephen King's scariest story? We'll talk about the book and the weirdness within, the 1990 miniseries with a cult following, and the 2017 horror film that started the Stephen King film renaissance every horror fan has been enjoying the hell out of for two straight years. In a few weeks, it'll be another Weird Shit Wednesday, where we take a break from, from horror every fifth episode to get a little bit reflective on a larger topic usually an iconic filmmaker's career, or whatever else we feel like talking about. Episode 30 will be about the Joker, the iconic DC Comics character whose portrayals always seem to bring about the most controversy due to the layered insanity the character brings to the table. Every actor to portray or voice the character has their own following, and they've all shown us different sides to the Joker's madness. We'll talk about the character's comic origins, shine a spotlight on the various actors who've played him, as well as predict what we think we're going to get out of the new film, Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix as the Clown Prince of Crime. Don't miss it, folks. Give <laughs> me a lot of that on episode 30. Now, before we take a look at another way scarier evil clown, let's go into the rewind, where we go back into the Filmgasm catalog and update any past episodes. Got two for you this week. A Saw update and a Roman Polanski update. First, oh, boy. Oh, boy. First up, word on the street is the new Saw reboot is wrapped production. Director Darren Lynn Boozman, a Saw legacy, announced via Twitter that filming is done. It's set to open theaters May 15, 2020, and it'll star Chris Rock as an investigating cop, Max Minghella as his partner, Marisol Nichols as his boss, and Samuel L. Jackson as his father. No word yet on whether Jigsaw himself, Tobin Bell, is returning to the franchise. Here's hoping. Uh, I'm very hopeful. I feel like Max Minghella would not take this role if it wasn't kind of serious in his career, where he's at in his career. Yeah. The other guys, you have an art, you know, Samuel, Chris but Rock. Chris Rock doing Saw. Like, I, we'll see. Not he's, just in it, but like writing it. He's going to be in our, uh, he's going to be in Fargo. Yeah, season, season four. four. So maybe he's stretching, <laughs> stretching those wings. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited, but honestly, if, if Tobin Bell's not in it, I'm not going to go. I wait. I'll wait for the DVD unless Tobin builds it. Fair enough. I'll probably wait for the D- DVD either way because that's what I have to. <laughs> that's that's just what I have to do a lot these days. But yeah. you know, we'll see. Well, I'm a big fan of Saw. I'm, I'm glad at least Darren Lynn Boozman is returning. So for sure. we have somebody who's done this before. For sure, doing it again. But are they just going to erase eight films and start anew? I don't like that at all. Neither do I. Well, we'll we'll see next May, and it's in May, not October. Breaking the Saw tradition. So like, yeah, yeah. Fuck, man. They must be starting something new. Yeah. <laughs> it better be great. Now, for a Roman Polanski update, we all know who he is. We all know what he's done. We all know what movies he's done. If not, check out episode 10. <laughs> That's all we'll say. <laughs> he raped a 13-year-old. The director's new film, <laughs> An Officer and a Spy, premiered at the Venice Film Festival on August 30th <laughs> and received a five-minute <laughs> standing ovation. I, I couldn't just let it slide. <laughs> he did that. We need to accept, we need to acknowledge that every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. Oh my god! But yeah, check out episode ten. We go in depth on what happened. Uh, so, an officer and a spy has been met with mixed reviews from most critics, despite the uh, standing O. It doesn't yet have a release date in the United States. Currently sits at a fifty-five percent Rotten Tomatoes score, a seven point one IMDb score. Tells the story of a French captain who is wrongfully accused of treason and exiled to Devil's Island in 1894, 
And knowing the current climate, I'd be surprised if this even gets a limited release in the U.S. Yeah, much less would he uh, would uh, Polanski show up to the U.S. So <laughs> he's not. He's never. Nope. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I mean, his films have dipped in quality big time over the past ten years, with Carnage being a rare exception. And I know some people who hate that movie. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, few and far between for for yeah. Roman. But you know, you did what you did. Raped a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my well, God. Well, that's off of the rewind. <laughs> Time for It. It was Stephen King's 22nd book, and it was released in 1986. This was his 22nd. This wasn't like his fourth or fifth. He'd already done 22 crazy good stories, and then he did It. The guy's amazing. It really is ridiculous. This is, to me, I would have predicted this is like his first book. Yeah. Because it's such this, yeah, it covers so much. There's so much evil in it that you would be like, oh, that must have been... These. It feels like there's a lot of ideas bouncing around. It feels like, oh, yeah. that would have been something, but no. <laughs> like you said, 22nd. This guy had already done so much. Come, or, so much had come out of his head already. Yeah, and it's so insane. much to follow. So insane. The dude never switches off. It's amazing. He's got one coming out later this month. No, and if he does switch off, he'll just do some cocaine and uh, write a whole <laughs> book in one night. So. <laughs> oh, my God. It clocks in at 1,138 pages. Oh. <sighs> Follows a group of kids in the summer of 1958 in the small town of Derry, Maine, just up the highway from Castle Rock. If you make it to Jerusalem's lot, you've gone too far. <laughs> I love that he's got this whole state of made-up towns. Yeah. I love it. Amazing. Ugh. So these kids, Bill Denborough, the unofficial leader with a stutter, Beverly Marsh, the girl with no friends and an abusive father, Ben Hanscom, the fat new kid, Richie Tozier, the class clown, Mike Hanlon, the black outsider, Eddie Kasprak, the hypochondriac, and Stan Uris, the Jewish Boy Scout. They all become very good friends over this summer as they are hunted and stalked by a vicious creature that takes the form of a clown named Pennywise. This creature can shapeshift into anything at once, and it feeds on children and dairy every 27 years. Its true form is unknown due to its abilities, but I found what I believe to be the most detailed description of what it truly is on the Stephen King wiki page, and <laughs> brace yourself... <laughs> Because this is some in-depth shit. It's not just a demon clown. It's an alien demon clown from another dimension. So here we go. <laughs> Quote, it, it is a shape-shifting creature known as a glamour who is billions of years old. Although it lived on planet Earth for many years, it originated in a void-slash-dimension outside the regions of space known as the Macroverse. Since its true identity is unclear due to its shape-shifting abilities and being from another universe... Its real name and species are called Deadlights, but few know this, which is why it is referred to as It. The form of a female spider seems to be its true physical form on Earth, living deep below the fictional town of Derry, Maine. Its real name, if indeed it has one, is unknown, although several times in the novel It calls itself by the name Robert Bob Gray. This may be an allusion to real-life child cannibal Albert Fish, who reportedly used the name Robert Gray as an alias. He may also get his first name from Robert Bob Bell, the man who originally portrayed Bozo the Clown. Spooky stuff, particularly the connection to Albert Fish, one yeah. of the scariest human beings who ever lived. Google him if you don't know, but be warned, his life and crimes are going to make you sick. For sure, yeah. Fucking, ugh. Don't, don't uh, go on the internet for Albert Fish with an empty stomach. Or at work. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no. Ugh. Be alone. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, Pennywise is an interdimensional demon god who feeds on children and has been around for billions of years. Okay. <laughs> it's a weird book. It, very. What a strange, uh, strange idea for... <laughs> Leave it to King to not just do scary clown or scary demon clown, but to go that far and everyone's just like, alright. Yeah, fair enough. Billions good, of years? Good book. Sounds, sounds good, book. good. Sounds good. It has close ties with Maturin, a benevolent god turtle who appears in several King stories particularly the Dark Tower. It may have come from the same universe as Roland Deschain, protagonist of the Dark Tower series, as in the final book, The Dark Tower 7, The Dark Tower, creative title, Roland and his friends come across a t character named Dandello, who possesses very similar abilities to Pennywise. I love all these connections between his stories. Oh, it's, it's amazing. There's not a lot of writers who have, yeah. We don't get a lot of that in the movies, but the books are loaded. Oh, yeah. And... Thankfully, the film, both of them, dialed back the interdimensional stuff, as this would have been way too confusing. Like, oh, it would have had to be a ten-hour movie. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? But, yeah, I've read all the Dark Tower books, and 
I've only read the first one. They're good. Oh yeah, you're great. They're things. convoluted as fuck, but they're good. But yeah, there is. I remember Dandelo, and he's very much a Pennywise like character. Mm-hmm. And I totally buy the idea that they're from the same place. Hell yeah! And That's ma- fantastic. the whole Maturin thing, and this fuck. <laughs> One of the book's pivotal moments, the ritual of Chewed, does not appear in either adaptations, excluding It Chapter 2, because there's no way we would know that at this point. Yes. In the book, the ritual of Chewed is the only way to stop it. It's essentially a psychic battle between It and the Losers Club, in which belief becomes reality, and the strongest will comes out on top. Seems like, you know, scenes like this are what's led to a lot of King fans making a connection with The Shining. And I fucking love this. I mentioned this in the very first episode of Filmgasm. But I'm going to talk about it again because it's fucking awesome. It's great stuff, yeah. Buckle up. Yeah. The theory goes that Pennywise is not just after kids, but he's after kids with the shine. The Losers Club all came together because they were trying to escape abuse or neglect at home. Not just because of Pennywise, because their home lives fucking sucked. Abuse is the leading cause of the shining, as it manifested in Danny Torrance shortly after he was assaulted by his drunk, raving lunatic father, Jack. Also, since Pennywise can shapeshift into whatever he wants... The theory suggests that the evil in the Overlook Hotel is none other than another form of Pennywise, trying to milk every last drop of fear out of the Torrance family. Now, I don't know if any of this was intentional or not, but it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, yeah. What do you think? Even if it's just a, yeah, internet conspiracy, hell yeah. Yeah. I'm in on that. And I'm going to believe it, because it's, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to think, you know, Pennywise isn't the bad guy in every single Stephen King story. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That it, yeah, is. <laughs> Is the ultimate bad guy for yeah for King's entire universe? Yeah, well, him or Randall Flag, but still, yeah. it's such a fucking <laughs> it's so cool. So while we're on the subject of the book, there's one scene that pretty much everyone is thankful didn't make it into any film adaptation: the preteen orgy. Your ears are working just fine, listeners. I said preteen orgy. orgy. I don't know how this episode turned into the preteen, you know. Having sex episode, but sorry, sorry, you know, Polanski and it, it just worked out that way. <laughs> it's Wednesday, I don't know, <laughs> you know, eh, September. After they defeat Pennywise's kids, they become lost in the network of tunnels beneath Derry. So, in order to bring the group together spiritually, Beverly suggests they all take turns having sex with her, as you do. I mean, I know when I get lost in the woods, my immediate reaction is I gotta fuck all of the people I'm with, or I'm never gonna get out of here. <laughs> It's going to take way longer to get out of here if I don't sleep with all these people. <laughs> what the fuck? How do you get to that conclusion I, I don't as know. a writer? I don't know. <laughs> what the Cocaine. F- I think this was after the cocaine. It was, it was. I just like to make that joke. <laughs> cocaine. Uh, when we do Cujo, you're going to have plenty of cocaine jokes. <laughs> cocaine. You know what I had for breakfast? <laughs> oh Fucking hell. So, they all have sex with Beverly, and it gets uncomfortable for a few pages. Ultimately, it works and they escape the tunnels, but the reader is left with the same expression I had when I read it. Confusion, disgust, a feeling that the feds are going to kick down my door. Disrespect. Just, okay. (laughs) Do we really need that for the story to progress? (laughs) Jesus. Stephen King's been asked about this for decades, as well he should be. (laughs) And he he responded in kind of a weird half-handed way, which doesn't bode well. And this is what he said. Quote, I wasn't really thinking of the sexual aspect of it. <laughs> the book dealt with childhood and adulthood, 1958 and grown-ups. The grown-ups don't remember their childhood. None of us remember what we did as children. We think we do, but we don't remember it as it really happened. Intuitively, the losers knew they had to be together again. The sexual act connected childhood and adulthood. It's another version of the glass tunnel that connects the children's library and the adult library. Times have changed since I wrote that scene, and there is now more sensitivity to those issues. What? <laughs> That's your reasoning? Thanks, Steve. Times have changed since I wrote that? I don't remember a time when a bunch of kids having sex with each other was just okay. <laughs> what? In your lifetime, Steven? <laughs> this came out in 86. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh my god. Christ almighty. I've done a lot of research into this, and I have found no good reason <laughs> behind why he did this. It made me stop reading the book. Oh God! Understandably, it yeah. is it is truly frightening. And if it was if it would have been depicted on screen, my God, this would have shattered some people's 
Yeah. Some people's You worlds. can't market a movie like that. No. This movie would not have made no. whatever it made, $600, $700 million. It would not have made that, so. Not exactly great reasoning behind including a sex orgy among 12-year-olds in your book, Steve. Sheesh, Steve. God. Not a good look, Steve. <laughs> Tough beat. <laughs> but nobody, like, I mean, yeah, a lot of people who know the book know about this, but most yeah. people are just like, you know, they either don't know or they don't care. It's yeah, not like he, he didn't do anything. It's just fucking weird to write that in your book about it, Scary Clown. He wrote it, so it's from his mind, yeah. He was thinking about this for a few pages. <laughs> That's... <laughs> yeah, uh, a few a few out of the 1,000. Yeah, this was yeah. this had to be there. Stephen King... I couldn't you, cut out anything of a 1,000 pages. I had to leave if, it all. If you ever listen to this podcast, I am a big fan. Uh, yeah, you're amazing, <laughs> but dude... But, come on. Yeah. Well, we you, you, know we, literally, you we literally do one of your one of your stories once every five episodes. Yeah. So there's a king in every batch here. We love your work. Yeah, <laughs> but come but on. good God Almighty, this is uh, <laughs> this is crossing the line. It's Anyways, just fucking weird. Okay, that's enough about the book. Oh man, let's go into the first adaptation of the film, the 1990 ABC miniseries It, starring international treasure Tim Curry as Pennywise. Tim Curry is one of my favorite actors, who I believe never got the mainstream respect he deserved. Uh, agreed. Agreed. He's appeared in such cult classics as the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yes. Clue. Oh, yes. Legend. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. The Three Musketeers, Congo, and Muppet Treasure Island. As well as a ton of British Shakespeare adaptations and voice work for cartoons. He's always busy. He what tr- more can you want from a guy? Yeah, he's amazing. Big, huge part of my childhood. Yeah. He tragically suffered a serious stroke in 2012 and lost the use of his legs. He's slowly been recovering, though I've heard his speech has been deteriorating lately. Amazingly, he still does the convention circuit and welcomes his fans' enthusiasm. He's a total class act. He seems like a wonderful person. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I I can really get behind uh, any movie he's in. Really, truly. The miniseries was split into two parts, with part one following the losers as kids fighting Pennywise in 1960, in part two, seeing the losers returning to Derry as adults to destroy Pennywise for good 30 years later in 1990. Both parts were directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, director of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and Fright Night Part 2. So he's kind of the go-to guy for shitty sequels. <laughs> That's the guy you want. Oh, man. The kids' part stars Jonathan Brandis as Bill Denborough, Emily Perkins as Beverly Marsh, Brandon Crane as Ben Hanscom, Seth Green as Richie Tozer, Marlon Taylor as Mike Hanlon, Adam Faraisal as Eddie Kasprak, and Ben Heller as Stan Uris. The adult part stars Richard Thomas as Bill Denborough, Annette O'Toole as Beverly Marsh, John Ritter as Ben Hanscom, Harry Anderson as Richie Tozier, Tim Reed as Mike Hanlon, Dennis Christopher as Eddie Kasprak, and Richard Mazur as Stan Uris. It also co-stars Olivia Hussey as Audra Denborough, Bill's wife, and Jared Blankard as Henry Bowers, neighborhood psychopath bully. What do you think of the cast of It the Miniseries? I know you were not a fan. No, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I wasn't ever really a fan, other than other than Pennywise. Uh, <clears throat> like when I saw this growing up. Yeah. Because this was one I did watch as a kid. Uh, it's one of those, it's not too tough to watch. No. It's not, not very creepy at all. At all. That's that's a big problem with it. Very, yeah, it's very cheesy. Uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, the highlight would be Tim Curry. Would be um, Yeah, he's what everyone Pennywise. pretty much remembers from this. Yeah, I, and I, I've told you, I, it's not even like his performance that's bad or anything. I, his costume's a, a goddamn joke. <laughs> it really is a travesty that they dressed up... Tim Curry is fucking Ronald McDonald <laughs> for for fucking three hours. You know it. It's ridiculous, and you have got to watch these broken up. You cannot sit through the whole three hours, or you or you or you've lost your mind. Um, or this was like a huge movie for you as a kid. For me, no. Um, never did I love this movie. I I recognize that it was not very good. And as time's gone on, I watched it just a couple days ago. It's bad. Yeah, I think it's pretty bad. Uh, Seth Green is like really funny as Tozier, but that's more because of what happened later in his career. Yeah, yeah. It's not that he's like a standout. Yeah. Uh, no, no one in this am I. Do I walk away thinking, yeah, that was a worthwhile performance? It was also a TV thing. Yeah. You know, in 1990, move, um, big film movie actors weren't really doing TV like they do now. Like they do, you know, you do stuff on HBO nowadays. TV used to be considered where your career went to die. Yeah, or you just weren't ever good enough to be on movies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, no one, no one in this to me is 
very memorable, or n- no one's uh, you know, no to write home about. <laughs> there was a string of Stephen King miniseries in the '90s. They did it, the Tommyknockers, the Stand, the Langoliers. It was oh, just the Stand, the yeah. Shining. They got they did another one of those. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of odd. I don't know. They were hesitant on doing well, probably because none of his. Uh, films had been particularly yeah profitable. no the eighties ones yeah yeah no it was like Carrie and Kubrick's The Shining and that was kind of it yeah didn't do didn't do so hot in that decade so yeah. yeah so yeah it was a thing you know we weren't alive during that time Connor and I so we don't we can't really say we can't really say I don't have an opinion on like the you know it coming out but the production of it you can tell it's from TV yeah you can very much <laughs> tell and you can tell by the actors that they hired that these are not not very. Uh, <laughs> High-level people, so... What about you? I, I think, you know, Tim Curry, like you said, is big for your childhood. Yeah. And I'm a huge, huge Rocky Horror fan. So I will always love him. And I, I, I will bear through these three hours just so I can see him. Because I do love his career. Uh, like you said, he seems like a stand-up guy. Seems like a great dude. But uh, is there anyone who stands out for you or not? No, just really Tim Curry. I mean, all the actors are there. They do the, they, they do the work. But nobody really... Stands it not like with the new one. With the new one, the kids can act. Oh the kids God. were unforgettable. The new one, I don't remember anyone's name, and I just read them. <laughs> like it's yeah. really kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I have a problem with this one because I tend to look at it through rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. I tend to look at it like, oh, that was great, and every time I watch it, all of that shit goes away, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is bad. Every yeah. Time. Well, yeah, because it's instilled in you as this classic because it's it. Yeah. And thank God we got the remake. Oh, uh, thank or the God. yeah the the 2017, and now we have you know coming up this weekend, we have part <laughs> two. So thank the Lord that happened uh, for for us as fans, man, because we needed a better representation of what could be his scariest story. And not just that, but because of that movie's success, it opened the floodgates for so much more. That too. Oh yeah, I'm so happy oh, for that. We never would have gotten a Gerald's Game movie if it had hadn't been a success. No, straight to Netflix. Yeah, Come on, get out of here. Yeah, there's no way. Wonderful. It's great stuff. The plot of the miniseries is pretty close to the book, omitting an orgy or two. And I'd rather not go into the plot at this time, since there may be listeners who haven't seen this or read the book, and I don't want to potentially spoil It Chapter 2 for you. I don't know how close that's going to be. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So I won't talk about that half. However, I'm almost positive the new film is not going to feature the same super anticlimactic ending as the book. No, no. And the miniseries, so thank God. Not at all. This is, this is built up to be the biggest horror movie to ever happen in theaters. So yeah. They're, they're going to go for it. It's going to be a great movie. Yeah. And, I mean, giant spiders just aren't as scary as killer clowns. I mean, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> King has always had kind of a problem with endings. Yeah. It's so weird. He's great at writing stories, but he can't fucking he finish can go, them. He can go for a thousand pages, but, yeah. Maybe that's why he was going for a thousand pages. He's like, oh, fuck, how do I end this Probably. Thing? Oh, maybe I'll end it with a, a, t- a preteen orgy. Ah, no, I gotta wrap the... Ah, shit. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we can't end with that. I don't know. Can you imagine if that I need a hundred more pages. Book? Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> all right, well, all right. That's not getting made into a movie. <laughs> so the miniseries has an IMDb score of 6.8 and a Rotten Tomato score of 59%. And I give it a six. Six is fair. Five or six, yeah. And that's pretty much Tim Curry holding this thing up. And, and again, just because it's it. Yeah. You're you're in you're in Maine. You're in Derry. Yeah, it's just they got that feel at times. But everyone else is pretty terrible. But you know, it is, like Austin was saying, it is TV. Good God, dude. It's these kids. There's that scene where uh, Mike is uh, has the book from his dad. Oh yeah, and he's like sitting on the log, mm-hmm. and he's like opening it. It, it is so bad because all of them are like, whoa, look at that. And there's a clown fucking moving on the page, you know, like, and they're like, look at that, man. <laughs> I do love Pennywise in that scene where he's like, I'll drive you crazy and yeah, I'll kill you all. Yeah, I'll kill you all. Yeah. He's got a weird, like, Tim Curry's voice in this performance is like from, from like, New York or something. Yeah. That was kind of yeah. odd. Changing it up, yeah. <laughs> he's way too much of give, a... I'm going to give Pennywise a Northeastern accent. Is that okay with you guys? <laughs> well, I mean, it is Maine, but, like, yeah, yeah. he sounds like... I just don't know if Pennywise is exactly from there, yeah. Like, I don't He's from, like, some other universe. Yeah. Fucking, I don't know. But... A billion years old. <laughs> He's way too Tim Curry's way too much of a clown in this movie. I think that's that's a big problem of it. Pennywise isn't like it is not Pennywise. Pennywise is a form of it. Yes. It the larger creature is this the one that can talk. Soulless demonic evil monster that eats children. And Bill Skarsgård made that pot, like made that clear. Yeah, cuz he makes that he makes that ego, that part of that ego of it to be yeah. fucking frightening and Tim Curry unfortunately again it's not really his fault the costume was so bad 
it's color. It's like colorful. It's not scary at all. It's not. I don't know. Maybe. I maybe do you think? Do you think Heath Ledger's Joker has something to do with what makes the Pennywise like the toe the seventeen Pennywise a little bit more scary, where it's like almost Ooh. pale colors and a little bit. So you think that a little a little bit more like edgy, you know? So like Heath Ledger's Joker kind of set a new standard for, for what we expect a scary clown to be. Kind of, yeah. That's very interesting. I actually think that's true. <laughs> I think that might be true because at the time it came out, and it was just he was scary. Because this was a year after 1989's Batman with Jack Nicholson's Joker, who was very uh, much played for laughs, more at colorful, time. and yeah, that yeah. could be something to that. There might be yeah. scary clowns flock together. Well, of course, you know you. Why not? Why not copy a movie like Batman, which made a billion dollars? So and Tim Curry, I believe, was up for that role. He was considered <coughs> for that role. Maybe we just unlock something. I don't he know. would have been a fucking great Joker. We're talking about the Joker in a couple weeks, so we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. We timed all this perfectly. Yeah, we always do. <laughs> we did with that Polanski and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and all that shit. <laughs> Hope you guys were there for that. <laughs> that was fun. Anyways, a lot of the so-called scares in this are pretty goofy. Yeah, even by '90s standards and TV standards. Pennywise's clown aspects are played up way more than his demon aspects. Yep. Although he does utter the great line, I am eternal child, I am the eater of worlds and of children. I was like, So oh. good. But no, there's not a lot of moments in this movie that are particularly memorable. I thought it was just some cool shit to say before I ate a kid, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, god. Nice. Oh so, man. sixes. Yeah. Sixes, yeah, sixes. And, and really, I mean... I don't know. Probably more of a... I'll say five. Oh, <laughs> if okay. I'm being, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it just... It's not good. It's not. And, yeah. I, and I really don't... I don't think anyone needs to see this. <laughs> you know? Pretty much. You, you know, I don't... Even, like, big It fans, if you love the one from 2017, you really don't need to go... Just go see the new one on the weekend. You know? Give them your money, because it's going to be worth it. That's that's my two cents. I'll, I'm just being honest. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right on. Well, here's some filmgasm facts about the miniseries. Number one, Alice Cooper was considered for the role of Pennywise. That would have been fun. <laughs> that was very weird. I would, I'd see that. Number two, when ABC first announced the film, it was to be a ten-hour miniseries directed by George Romero. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. But it, again, ABC. Yeah, yeah. So either way, it would have been cheesy, but at least it wouldn't have been so fucking convoluted and so chaotic. This should have been an HBO production. Kind oh of thing. my god, I don't even want to think about that <laughs> because that might be better than even what we're getting now currently. Because <laughs> a ten, can you imagine ten episodes, <sighs> ten hours? <laughs> well, Romero did extensive pre-production work and closely collaborated with Lawrence D. Cohen to develop the script. He had to bow out due to a scheduling conflict with the remake of Night of the Living Dead, which came out the same year. Of course. Okay. Okay. This mirrored Romero's experience on another Stephen King property, 1989's Pet Cemetery, which he was also slated to direct. Huh. Oh, man. Did Romero... Did he ever get a King movie? No. Well, he had Creepshow. Oh, duh. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. So he, he did he get just, some. Yeah, he just did that. Yeah. That's it, though, right? They were good friends. It's kind of a... Surprise! That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it seems odd. Maybe they were. Uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. Actually, I think Romero might have done the dark half. I'm not 100 percent on that. Hmm. Well, that'll be a rewind. Yeah, I'm like 80 percent sure of that. But we'll find out. Uh, I, I could roll with 80. I like 80. 80 is a good. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's a B minus. <laughs> That's way better than what I had in school. So, <laughs> number three, the theater scenes racked up many dull hours of waiting and retakes for the child extras. Tim Curry often came onto the stage in full costume and conducted sing-alongs with the extras, most of whom didn't know who he was. They thought he was actually a clown hired to entertain them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Number four. Pennywise's signature red hair was not a wig. It was Tim Curry's real hair. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. He was hesitant of taking on this role because he hated heavy makeup after doing Legend, which almost... Like, he got really claustrophobic and almost ripped his own face off. Jeez. Yeah, the makeup was so plastered onto him, he was trying to take it off, like, quickly, and he was pulling his skin off with the makeup. Oh, my gosh. So, I understand not wanting to do a heavy makeup role after that. Understandable, yeah. So, they minimized the amount of makeup he would have to have for this, so he ended up using his real hair made into a quaff, which is fucking hilarious. (laughs) Number five, I don't know if this is true, I can't verify this, but I read this somewhere and I hope to God it's true. I read somewhere that Tim Curry has a terrible fear of clowns, and he asked for no mirrors on set while he was filming, so wow. he wouldn't accidentally see himself in full makeup. 
My goodness, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember. I read that. I am one hundred percent sure I read that. So here, yeah, there it is. Wow, <laughs> fucking crazy. That's incredible. <laughs> I love I love stuff like that with performers when you, you can really tell it like translates to the screen. Yeah, you can tell that they're yeah they're like there's something deeper there. <laughs> So, Filmgasm contributor Caleb Leger sent in his opinion of the miniseries, so let's see what he has to say. Stephen King's It, the book that was my introduction to the twisted, fantastic mind of King. Yes, the first book I ever read of his was the over 1,000-page-long It. Obviously, due to my love of his works, the book impressed me. After finishing the novel, my dad took me to the video store to rent a copy of the 1990 movie adaptation, one that has an interesting place amongst King's adaptations. The fact that it was originally made for TV means a lot was left out of the very graphic novel. At the same time, we got a now iconic performance from Tim Curry as Pennywise the Dancing Clown, and some admittedly great scenes with the child portion of the film. So needless to say, its reception among horror fans is interesting. Much like most of King's work, it didn't take executives long to acquire the rights for a TV miniseries. Originally envisioned as a four-part miniseries, it was decided to condense the adaptation down to just two parts. While they already had to to take significant chunks out of the book due to it being on TV, now they had to take more out to fit it into a total of three hours. Admittedly, this is probably the biggest issue for me. The movie moves at a pretty glacial pace and starts to lose my interest halfway through, especially the adult portion of the story. That's very true, and I'm worried about that for part two. While starring a bunch of big names like Annette O'Toole and John Ritter, it's quite boring compared to the kid portion. Speaking of kids, look out for a young Seth Green in the cast. Also, a lot of the more gory, gruesome moments are left out due to TV regulations. Not all is lost, though. We still get that amazing performance from Tim Curry, a performance so good it has become legendary amongst the horror community. Curry is both hilarious and terrifying as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. He's clearly having the time of his life the entire time. Admittedly, this take at adapting Stephen King's famous novel isn't a complete win. A lot was taken out for TV standards, the movie moves at a glacial pace, and the adult portion is kind of boring. But we got Tim Curry as Pennywise, and that alone makes up for most of the negatives this film has. He definitely scared me as a kid, and remember, we all float down here. Six out of ten. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree on pretty much all points with that. Yeah, same. Major pacing problem, the second half's forgettable. And that's a problem I'm a little concerned about with the new one, is this... Whenever people think of it, people think of kids versus clown. People think... The kids banded together to fight the clown. Everyone kind of forgets about the grown-up part of this. That's what I'm most excited about for the second one. Is because okay. I think I think because of who we have, we have Bill Hader, Jessica Chastain, you know James McAvoy. We have these people because there's there's scenes if they're constructed correctly, directed correctly, and acted correctly in the second half of it that could be really good. All of them having dinner and kind of oh my god, like rehashing what <laughs> happened that can be really good if. If it's compelling and if the performances are good, and so I think I think it chapter two solely off of it being a way better production and having way better actors, I'm not scared. Okay. Um, it might not I don't, might not be as uh, much of a fright fest as part one. I'm hearing like it's way scarier. <laughs> that, that's that's what I hear. I, that's what I hear. Fright fest meaning I, the the first part is just ba ba ba. It's just action packed. Maybe this one will be like a little bit more terrifying. But yeah, I don't know. I think those scenes can be really good between. Those actors just talking and good dialogue. And I, I trust Andy and I trust the writing and I trust everything that's going on. So I'm excited for that part of this movie because it's so bad in this one from 1990 <laughs> that I want to see done well. I want to see them coming back to Maine for the first time and I want to see that like actually done well because that scene could be cool. That's, you know, I agree. I hope so. I hope so. Me too. I, I, I really do. I believe. I've, I've got a lot of marbles in, <laughs> in on this movie. Thankfully... This was not the last we would see of Pennywise in film. Oh, no. 2017 gave us a reimagining of the story, and by God, was it terrifying. It was directed by Andy Muschietti, director of Mama, another great horror film. Oh, yeah. And the future director of The Flash and Roadwork, another King adaptation I can't wait for. He brought a sense of childlike innocence and true terror to this story that made it one of the most successful Stephen King films of all time, grossing $700 million globally on a $35 million budget. God damn. Woo! Way to go. Talk about going to the bank. It stars Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. In Legendary. A, in a role that he will be known for forever. He is absolutely terrifying as Pennywise, and he shines in the role big time. I want to see this man up for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, good luck. They tried with this movie. I want it, I want it to happen so bad. 
Skarsgård is the son of Stellan Skarsgård, famous character actor who appeared as Bootstrap Bill in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and, do- and as Dr. Eric Selvig in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just to name a few. Yep. He's also the brother of Alexander Skarsgård, who is famous for his role of Eric Northman on True Blood, Perry Wright on Big Little Lies, and he played the title role of Tarzan in 2016's The Legend of Tarzan. Mm-hmm. As for Bill himself, he portrayed the unnamed kid in the first season of Castle Rock and has appeared in Hemlock Grove as Roman Godfrey, as well as films like Deadpool 2 and Atomic Blonde. So the Skarsgård family, pretty solid careers on everybody there. For sure. I love Stellan. Love him. I always have. He's unbelievable in the Girl of Dragon Tattoo. That's my favorite performance of his. But yeah, I think I think this guy, young Billy here, has quite the future ahead of him. Oh my god. And he, his work in Castle Rock is stellar. Stellar stuff. But this... this the, it's going to be one of those roles that's going to be hard to break because this Pennywise character is so strong, but yeah. he, he's young enough to where it's it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's, he's very talented. Talk about a hell of a way to get your foot in the door. God oh, damn. man. The kids are all fantastic in this. Yes. Huge difference. Jaden Lieberher is Bill Denbrough. Sophia Lillis is Beverly Marsh. Jeremy Ray Taylor is Ben Hanscom. Finn Wolfhard is Richie Tozier. Chosen Jacobs is Mike Hanlon. Jack Dylan Grazer is Eddie Kasprak. And Wyatt Olaf is Stan Uris. Nicholas Hamilton plays Henry Bowers, and Jackson Robert Scott plays Georgie Denborough, Bill's brother. Everybody gives it their all in this, especially the kids. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, you know, if you there's a couple names there. You know, Finn is Stranger Things standout. Uh, yeah. Everybody loves him. He's great. How about for a first name chosen? <laughs> How fucking cool is that? And he's great. I, all these kids are awesome. I, I think my favorite is... What's the young girl's name that plays Beverly? Sophia Lillis. Yeah, she oh my is God. wonderful. Way to go. Wonderful performance from her. And uh, fun fact, Jack Dylan Grazer is uh, Freddie Freeman in Shazam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He's got a career at him, too. Yeah, everyone kind of popped with this they, one. They kill, these kids kill it, man. For sure. They're great. It's amazing. It has an IMDb score of 7.4. Rotten Tomatoes score of 86%. Bullshit. <laughs> Too low? So the 7.4. 86 <laughs> is fine. 7.4 to me is a fucking crime. Yeah. <laughs> it takes place in the summer of 1989 and follows the Losers Club as they are targeted by the demonic clown Pennywise in the town of Derry, Maine. And I think what I like most about this film is that Andy Muschietti changed what all the kids are scared of. So as to surprise anybody who saw the miniseries or read the book. Exactly. Everyone was freaked because it was all and different. And the time period. Yeah. So now he's like, you know, which doesn't change a whole lot, but it, it does. It's it's a new, it's a different take. It's a breath mm-hmm. of fresh air. Well, I like, you know, usually I'm not in favor of changing the book, but mm-hmm. it worked this time. It, it, it worked it really well. It definitely worked. And those are the scariest parts of the film, I think. Bill is haunted by his dead brother. Beverly's nearly dragged down a drain by clumps of hair and blood. Yep. Ben is chased by a headless zombie. Richie's trapped in a room full of clown dolls. Eddie's attacked by a leper. Mike is haunted by the images of his parents burning alive. And Stan is attacked by a very creepy painting that comes to life. And that's that fucked me a lot. Yeah. That was fucking yeah. weird. It's all insanely disturbing and memorable. For sure. And it's like these little chapters for each of them. And it tells you a lot about each kid, I guess. You know, what their fears are. and Oh, so much fun. <laughs> it's done so well that... It, it's it's long, but you don't really feel it because it's so kind of episodic. You yeah. know? Ah, so cool. This is such an atmospheric movie. It's uh, so haunting. It's brilliant. That's why I cannot stand that 7.4 on IMDb. <laughs> because it creates an environment that's so special. It really, truly does. Ugh. Of course, over the film's runtime, they realize they are strongest together. They all bond over this freaky clown haunting them. And Pennywise doesn't fucking hold his punches in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> He, makes, he is milking that fear for all it's worth. Hell yeah, he is. There are moments in this that are so unbelievably frightening. <laughs> it's, you know, I've, I've seen this several times now. Me too, me too. And it gets me every time. It it truly does. It's one, it's one of the only <clears throat> kind of, I, I guess horror is the only way to define this movie. It's the only genre of this movie. Absolutely. Purebred horror. Yeah. And it's one of the only one of those that I really... I really get freaked out by. I really, <laughs> I truly am just kind of like, oh, you know, cringing at times. And there's times where Pennywise is like, is this real enough for you? you, you, you this is voice. fucked up. Yeah. Like, this guy's fucked. He has no rules. Like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's frightening. It's He's got so the, like, good. the methodology of a serial killer, but with the mentality of something that's not human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so freaky. Oh, yeah. There's times where, yeah, he's moving uh, in a way that, 
has always freaked me out in horror movies when like something that something that's almost human and is walking like on all fours and he does that where he's kind of like oh that shit <laughs> gives me the eebie-jeebies man <laughs> that's what we live for so <laughs> oh for sure Ugh. so they dub themselves the losers club because they have you know they're alone this is all they have again terrible home life their parents, goddamn, awful. Stephen King has a motif, that's like a what recurring he, thing of just yeah. bad parents. Uh huh. And goddamn, they are terrible in this. Beverly's dad. Oh my what god, a piece of shit, dude. He's fucking monster. But honestly, the one that bothers me the most is Eddie's mom. Oh yeah, she sucks. Just she I, sucks. I love Eddie. So I love much. Eddie, but her his mom is manipulating his health. In a way that makes him completely dependent on her. Yeah, and it's so fucked up. Yeah, he's like going and they're they're all bullshit. All these these meds he's getting. <laughs> ah man, the gazebos. When he find yeah, <laughs> it's all placebo. What does that mean? It's bullshit. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, horrible, horrible man. Yeah, but <sighs> they all have each other, and that's the losers club. The, the yeah. losers club, the important bond they all make to Who, fight. Pennywise. Who's your favorite? Who's my favorite loser of the losers? Yeah. <sighs> Shit. Not not based off like who the actor is, but just straight up the character. character. Yeah, straight up character. Uh, it's probably Eddie. Yeah, that's a good one. I like Beverly. She's my favorite. Me too. Yeah. She's that's just tough, man. They're all great. Fantastic. I like Ben, because you know, I've been the new kid and it's tough. Oh yeah, Ben's great. Yeah. Especially in this one, man. Oh my god. The kid sucked in nineteen ninety. That kid was terrible. <laughs> but this kid is real this kid's this kid's good. He's a good actor. I love how he's uh Hanging on the library at first and just kind of just consuming all this stuff. He knows more about the city than all of them. And he's new. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, really cool. Love it. Uh, the only one I like wouldn't have hung out with is, is Stan. Yeah. He's just kind of a... Kind of... kind of. He's there know. because he's friends with one of the other ones. That's yeah, the vibe I always got. Yeah, yeah. Richie's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> he's, I, love, I love how often they like use the word fuck in this. <laughs> Because in that 1991, it's so, like, wholesome yeah. and feels like, a, yeah, like it's held back so much. This is, like, they're just like, come on, you fucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how young boys talk to well, each other. Well, most of their dialogue was improvised. Like, I love that. That's what I hear. Yeah, that's what I've read. It that's, was just natural amazing. chemistry. So ah, great. So cool. And that kid, Finn. Finn's got such a huge future after Stranger Things and this. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, for He's sure. for stardom. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the creepiest shit in this movie is stuff you don't even see until like your fourth or fifth watch because yeah. there's just smiles yeah. in the background and you get the vibe that Pennywise is always watching them the whole movie it's so fun it's like somewhere on the screen it's yeah. creepy as hell man you'll just like be looking and there'll be just a grin it's... on a billboard back there or something it's like frustrating yeah <laughs> so smart ugh so uh, they realize only their bond can defeat this clown yes so when Beverly gets captured by Pennywise the rest of the losers band together to go save her and kill this fucker they save Bev, they fight Pennywise, proving that they no longer fear him. And Pennywise disappears down a hole before crumbling into dust. Which is kind of weird, considering that they didn't really beat him. Yeah, no. You can't kill fear. <laughs> you just no, can't. It's always going to be there. And that's what I love. It's almost like this town's fear is bringing him back. Yes. Which would make perfect sense, because this is Stephen King's universe. There's always something to be afraid of. Exactly. It really all just wrap itself together, just beautifully, with the little yeah. bow. <laughs> I love the scene where they're kicking his ass. It's so satisfying. Oh. Well, well, one of my one of my favorite lines is is Richie when he's like, "You made me do this," you made... and now he grabs the baseball bat. I'm gonna have to beat this thing's fucking ass. <laughs> I gotta kill this fucking clown. Yeah, he just fucking you know, charges in. Yeah, no, I really, really there there really are times where I'm like, I want to be with them really bad, like hold, holding the weapon, just fucking going down these crazy, you know, going to these haunted houses and just. Just being dumb, you know, but like taking this thing on with my friends because no one else believes it, you know, no one else can see it. Oh, when they're cleaning the blood together in Beverly's restaurant, yeah, that was oddly touching. It really is. It really is. They they, they understand uh-huh. when they they understand best these kids when they need they need to stick together, and that's that's really really beautiful to watch. Do you think in the new one, Bev is going to end up with Bill or Ben? Because that's kind of a new thing in this one. Yeah, I know. Uh... I don't know. I've seen the actor who plays Ben, and he's a very good-looking guy. <laughs> but he's, like, not very well-known. And then you got James McAvoy. Yeah. But it would it would fit the character if it, makes, if it goes with Ben. But at the same time, Bev and Bill have this history now. So I don't know. I'm okay with either one, really. Me too. Which is weird. 
out of nowhere she's with Richie. Yeah. I like Bill in this a lot. He's like a born leader. I I adore Bill. His motivations are so pure. I adore Bill and I adore that that his friends like there's the scene also where Richie's like he didn't stutter once, you know. He doesn't even really want uh, revenge that much. He just wants to know what happened to his brother. Yeah, he just wants justice. Like I just want to yeah, I just want knowledge and peace of what 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 yeah. what happened to Georgie. Oh, man. What also, we didn't really... At the beginning of the movie... I, mean, I wanted to mention this because it was so big with the trailer. The trailer was that scene. Oh, yeah. When the, you know, S. George, Georgie. S. Georgie goes in... Yeah, and you have Pennywise the first time in the sewer. Hiya, Georgie. That's like seven minutes into the movie. And immediately you're like, oh, okay, I guess... I guess I'm here. God, talk nowhere, about starting strong. Yeah, nowhere for me to go. It is one of the best opening scenes to a horror movie that you could possibly have. It's well, like... And what about, like... They went there. You see that kid get ripped. Like his arm gets ripped the yes. fuck off. And then, and then there's the shot above, which is a beautiful shot above him when he's like squirming in the yeah. rain, and it's from above the. You know, you can see the raindrops pouring, and it's a beautiful shot. And he, and then he just gets <laughs> sucked into the sewer. Like Jesus, opening credits. Yeah, like, fuck, man. <laughs> it. Jesus. I, the second I saw that, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be good. Yeah. Okay. I would, well, because I you know of course knew about the 1991, and I was just yeah. like. And I heard about it, and I was like, oh, they're, they're doing it again? Good, okay. Like My biggest concern at the time happens. was how far are they willing to go. Exactly. And then I saw, when I, yeah, when I saw, I, I guess when I heard, like, pop, 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 I was like, oh, they're like, I, oh, they're actually making it scary. Oh, cool. Like, that's great, because the old one's not. Thank the you. way he holds it, the way Pennywise, like, looks in, like, another direction and put both eyes, his, like, oh. whole demeanor, the way he's, he holds himself, he never fucking blinks. It's mind-numbingly scary. It yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. My my head kind of I kind of get numb thinking of, <laughs> thinking about it. this is one of the all time scary scary you know villains characters of all yeah. you know in horror absolutely. And who would have thought yeah. Bill Bill Skarsgård would you know it was almost Will Poulter. Remember that? Yeah, when oh, Carrie Fukunaga was gonna do it, he's pretty. He could. I don't think he'd do as good of a job, but he he could probably pull that off. Well, I remember the concept art. Look. It looked fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. This is. It, it looked like the zombie clown from Zombieland. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, That's which a, wouldn't have had this effect, obviously. Oh, no. Yeah, like the perfectly straight makeup and, and the, everything. The costume, huge for me. The kind of like pale, like off white. He looks like a like old British, like yeah. you know, it's like oh, like what a the fuck? What, what's that? He looks like Roman Polanski with the, <laughs> with the fucking <laughs> the what's the 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 clown from the opera. Uh, Pogliaki. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's got this operatic clown thing going on, and, and it is terrifying. He's like a Ooh. doll you'd find in like a Dickensian toy Ooh. store. And when he like gets hit, or like you know, when there's that thing that the like spear goes through his head. It's even he gets scarier when his teeth come <laughs> out. It gets scarier when someone bashes in the head. It gets scarier. Like anything that happens, it's like no. <laughs> there's a bit at the end when they're beating his ass, and he like goes into the. Well, mm-hmm. and they like rush him, and he just goes like, ah. "It's so perfect." Oh, you get man. the vibe that he's afraid of them. Just in that one scene, like, "Oh shit!" And like now, you know, they made it personal, so shit's gonna get real yeah. in the new one. Oh, this, this new one's gonna be. Oh, I can't wait. Epic. <laughs> so here's some filmgasm facts for nice. it. 2017. Number one. Though CGI was used in some scenes, Bill Skarsgård actually is able to move his eyes in different directions. He was able to do that in some in some scenes. Wow, props! Yeah, that gives a whole new light to. He could contort himself too. There's some scenes in that where it's not CGI; it's him holding himself weirdly. What? <laughs> Ew, fuck! Not the kind of character you want to go method for. <laughs> this was cool. The two finalists for the role: Bill Skarsgård and Hugo Weaving. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I would rather have it been <laughs> you go with me. I love you. That would have been too much, man. It would have been. It would have. And he he might have gone to like t- try too hard, almost. You know, because he can sometimes go there. Oh my god! And Bill Bill is this guy who's like nobody knows who I am. I'm just yeah. gonna kind of be comfortable and do my thing. Well, Skarsgård got the role because he was able to play a more fun and childlike Pennywise, in addition to just plain creepy, which is what we've had in Spades. He couldn't do playful. He was just straight up scary. Just scary. With the, those eyebrows, you know, and they... Oh, God. Oh, I don't even want to see Hugo weaving in clown Throw it in the fire! I just picture Agent Smith the whole time. Like, <laughs> fucking ooh. It's you! <laughs> well, now I want to watch Fellowship. Yeah. Well, I always want to watch Fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Number three, other actors who were rumored to play Pennywise included Johnny Depp, Tilda Swinton, Richard Armitage, Tom Hiddleston, Jackie Earl Haley, he would have been good, Jim Carrey, Kirk Acevedo, Willem Dafoe, too much, <laughs> Paul Giamatti, too much, <laughs> Doug Jones, and Channing Tatum. No, none of those. No. I would say Jackie Earl Haley could pull it off. Maybe, yeah, and then, yeah, that's... Tilda Swinton would have been fucking fascinating. That would have been weird. But I don't know. I'm just really glad it was a guy that nobody knows Creepy, about. Creepy, androgynous, Pennywise. Channing Tatum, there's too much star power there. That would have like, been terrible. Yeah. I, I'm not going to doubt him. I love him, but I... I'll doubt him for Pennywise. I don't. I Yeah, I don't. He's too big. Paul Giamatti, yeah, no. Willem Dafoe, they might be a little too old, those two Doug guys. Jones would have been Jim Carrey, too distracting. Because yeah. Jim Carrey. Johnny Depp, way too distracting. Yep. Tom Hiddleston, no. You, yeah, I just don't believe that he could do it. And Armitage, I don't know. Maybe. Kirk Acevedo is such an out-of-left field That's pick. That's the one I was going to say. Who knows? Maybe. I, I like those out-of-left-field picks. Skarsgård's <laughs> an out-of-left-field pick. If you saw those That's names true. before you know, he got the That's role. That's very true. I'm glad it's someone, yeah, that this can kind of be their masterpiece. Number four. Director Andy Muschietti has stated that he intends to make a supercut version with this film and It Chapter 2 using extra footage from the latter film and scenes that have not yet been shot. So we're going to get like a five or six hour cut of I'm, it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm in. I'm in on that. Let's do it. Jesus. Number five. To coincide with the 1989 setting, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, is featured on the movie marquee. Director Andy Muschietti also revealed in an interview that a Freddy Krueger form was considered as a fear for one of the Losers Club members. Mm. And one that Pennywise would assume. However, it was ultimately ultimately scrapped out of not feeling right and wanting to stick to the trauma and childhood fears without straying too meta. And I think that's a good choice. If Freddy Krueger just popped up in this movie, it would have been, been fascinating. It would have been cool, yeah. but it would have been distracting as hell. For sure. But, <laughs> Freddy. This is basically Freddy Krueger. It's Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially. Uh, according to Bill Skarsgård, there was an unnerving deleted scene that involves Pennywise terrorizing a young mother in the 17th century. He states, quote, There was a scene we shot that was a flashback from the 1600s, before Pennywise was Pennywise. The scene turned out really, really disturbing. And I'm not the clown, I look more like myself. He goes on to say, It's very disturbing and sort of a backstory for what it is or where Pennywise came from. Timothy Simons, who auditioned for the role of Pennywise, confirmed this a few weeks after Skarsgård revelation in an interview on a podcast called Throwing Shade. Simons states that he read in the script that the scene requires the character to threaten to kill a young woman and her entire family if she doesn't hand over her baby for feasting. He says, It was Pennywise way back at the beginning of Derry convincing a woman to give him her baby to eat. It was scary. The thing that was scariest about it was that it was very direct. It was, if you don't do this, these are the things that I'm going to do. And they were all terrible. Oof. <laughs> the scene is one of the several scenes shot, yet ultimately not used in the film. It remains to be seen if the scene will show up on DVD. Well, it didn't show up on DVD. The director's cut or in the sequel. Fuck. That's making, uh, that is, you think that's too far? Mm, eating a baby? No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I think it is. <laughs> but but no, I, I, I'm not saying I would like to see that on the screen, yeah. but I would like to... I would like I would like for that scene to happen. Mm. Why not? Add to the add to the brilliant resume of terrifying shit that's already happened in the movie. So I don't know. I mean, look, we already know he's evil and willing to do this stuff. Do we really need to see that? I'm, to know I, that? I'm curious about. He said, Bill said himself that it looked more like himself than the clown. And they are. They did do uh, that scene in the trailer where we get yeah. to see a glimpse of Bill Skarsgård on that. Oh shit! That scene's gonna be in the. It's gonna be in the sequel. Yeah. I fucking know it is. Oh god. Ugh, well, we'll Maybe see. Maybe that's what people mean when it's more frightening. You know. Oh, Maybe it has no. more like disturbing things in it. Oh no. Because it really is gonna be hard to beat the tempo of the of the 2017 one. True. Because that's just how the story goes. It's just, you know, when they're kids, it's just yeah, it's just a little bit more fun, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll see. I guess <laughs> it's not for us to decide. That's it for filmgasm facts on it. But once again, we have Caleb Leger's thoughts, this time on the 2017 version. So here goes. Thank God for this movie. <laughs> After a very troubled production, I was losing a lot of hope in this new adaptation. But then traction started to finally happen. A director stayed on board, casting was being done, and the release date wasn't changing. It finally was looking like we were getting this movie after all. Not only were we getting it, it was looking good. There was the promise of an R rating, doing two movies with the first being the kid portion of the novel only, and the trailer looked great. 
It looked even better after the colossal disaster that was The Dark Tower earlier that year. Oh yeah, fuck that movie. Q release date... It's not a movie. It quickly became a hit amongst fans and critics alike, with many saying it was a far superior adaptation. It would also end up becoming a huge hit financially, making well over $700 million in the box office. Yeah, horror is really dead. Ha. <laughs> ha. It's never going to die. We should know that. You should Fuck know that. that. Right we'll, because we'll, we'll be here. Yeah. Audiences were loving it. The success of this adaptation would quickly be- begin a king renaissance that we are all still enjoying to this day. Almost all of the issues I have with the original film are fixed in this adaptation. Yeah. The pace moves much more briskly. Even the kid portion of this story is significantly improved. The child actors all do great at feeling like a group of friends banding together to battle an unknown evil. I wish the best in their respective careers after this film. Since this was made with an R rating in mind, not nearly as much is taken out from the novel. The gore, language, and more excessively explicit dialogue is very much intact. Except the child sex orgy. (laughs) It's very awkward to read, and I'm glad it's the one part of the novel that has yet to be adapted. I can live without it. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all can live without it. (laughs) Now, Pennywise the Dancing Clown himself, this time played by Bill Skarsgård. He knocks it out of the park. He plays the part to terrifying perfection. From little moments like when he looks like he's drooling over the thought of eating Georgie at the beginning, to the more overt scares, he is a constant joy to watch. As for which performance I like better, both him and Curry are equal to me. It's a tough one to decide. Ooh, I gotta disagree with you there, buddy. (laughs) Skarsgård all the way. I think it's pretty damn easy. <laughs> Rose colored glasses, man. Think it, about it. It's 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 yeah, no, it's fine to say like I like Tim Curry's performance better. But Bill Skarsgård did a better job. It's yeah. just the fact in my yeah, I don't think it's really close. <laughs> it's and again, it's it's not really up to them two as actors. It's really the production. I agree. Uh, Pennywise looks brilliant in this one. Yeah. He looks brilliant. No matter what actor was going to play him, he was going to look amazing. So 2017's It is a far superior picture to the miniseries. Oh, yeah? It improves on it in every conceivable way, except maybe Pennywise, depending on your preference. My only complaint is I wish there was more of the titular clown instead of the various forms he takes. But that really speaks to Skarsgård's performance since that is what Pennywise does. He exploits your fears to his advantage. With the sequel about to be out, I can't wait to go visit Derry again and see what Pennywise has in store for us this time. Agreed. Nine out of ten. Nice. And that's all for it. I give it a solid eight. Scary as fuck. Vast improvement on the miniseries, and dare I say, the novel. Let's. So, what do you think? I had nine for me. Nine yeah, for you. Solid nine. Close. It's close. <laughs> it's close. Right on. I, yeah, I adore it. <laughs> I don't know what's holding it back for me. It's it just for me. It feels like an eight. That's fine. I don't know what it is. That's a great score. I'm sure it'll grow the more I watch That's it. That's what's great about it too. You had mentioned a few minutes ago that. Uh, what's what's fun about rewatching it is they're like scary things that you miss. Yeah, maybe him smiling somewhere. So maybe maybe it'll rise, like you said. <laughs> uh, give it a little bit of breathing room for but, sure. Yeah, I'll give it a nine. Yeah, <laughs> I I do want to say. Yeah, I really like the use of Pennywise in the other forms, and I also like that he's not used too much in this 2017 one. I think I think that's part of why it's why it's perfect to me. Why it's or close to perfect, close to a perfect movie is. The villain is used to me to perfection. Um, those various forms to me are fucking scary. Yeah, and like he's saying, you know, Caleb's saying that uh, that, that kind of just goes to show what Bill is capable of, and um, what also what the CGI is capable of. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part of it. I, th- I think that is something that people people do. They're like, oh, I want more Pennywise, like straight up Pennywise. I don't know, man. I think some of the other stuff's pretty fucking <laughs> scary. I I think the scene. I'll say this and let you say yours. My favorite yeah. scene from that that one is when Beverly gets fucking attacked from the drain, and it, I, I just think that scene is so scary and so rewatchable. And her reaction is exactly how <laughs> just just so so frightened. And she she seems like she's so small. Like what? Yeah. What just happened to me? You know like <laughs> that this kind of evil can occur. Well, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, totally, man. Oof. What's your favorite favorite bit from this one? Easily Stan in the painting. <laughs> That shit. It is. Oh my god. So disturbing. It's just him like walking past it, not looking at it. Yeah. Looking at it and being like, ugh. Putting the book back, you hear the painting fall. He goes to put it back, and she's not in the fucking painting. <laughs> and then you hear a flute. Yeah. Like, god <laughs> damn. Oh my god. That resonated with me way more than I thought it was going to. And and then you see her again later on in the sewers, like, like no. eating his face. 
Fuck, man. Beat her. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Way man. to go, Andy. Jesus. Oh, yeah, seriously. Can't wait to see what you do next with this. I, yeah, I agree. I, I, this is heavily anticipated by us. We're both seeing it this weekend. Uh, we cannot wait, and of course we'll be right back to talk about it. Oh, yeah, you'll we'll have bonuses just soon. Great stuff, and they set up so beautifully. I am so excited to see Bill Hader as Richie Togier, you know. I love all, all, all. It's going to be amazing. Jessica Chastain. This is like an Oscar worthy. James McAvoy. Like, yeah, McAvoy. Damn. One of a guy who's been everywhere. You know. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait. Whew. Super, super excited for this one. Whew. Well, that's all we got for it. So let's take a look at what happened this week in film. Yes. Peter Capaldi, Pete Davidson, and Taika Waititi have all joined the cast of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, set for release August sixth, twenty twenty one. No word yet on who they're playing. They joined returning cast members Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, Jai Courtney, and Joel Kinnaman, as well as newcomers Idris Elba, Nathan Fillion, Storm Reid, John Cena, Steve Agee, David Dasmalchian, and Daniela Melchior. Very much looking forward to this. Me too. I think it's going to be a huge improvement on the first well, Suicide Squad. Titi is my guy, so... Yeah, I fucking I'm, hated that movie. I'm in... Oh, it's a joke. <laughs> but James Gunn? Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I, it is exciting. It's yeah. we got a long wait, but sorry. Right. And he kept everything that worked. He kept Harley, Waller, Boomerang, and Flag. Ditched the shitty Joker. Yes. And, and, he, and the Enchantress and all that bullshit. Yeah. So props. I think this is going to be good. I agree. Next up, Himish Patel from yesterday has joined the cast of Christopher Nolan's upcoming spy thriller Tenet. I really liked Yesterday. That was a very fun movie. I still haven't seen that one yet, man. Himish Patel did a great job. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I hear even if you're not like even like the biggest Beatles fan or anything, that you'll have fun just kind of watching him. But so. if you are a Beatles fan, I, you're going to fucking love that movie. I'm a big fan. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the Beatles. It was very sweet. Well, I like albums by the Beatles. I think they have a couple that are bad, but... That's for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I can feel the hate mail already. <laughs> No, I, no I, seriously, uh, Sgt. Pepper's is probably the best album ever written, but they've got a couple earlier in their film uh, discography that are, eh. Oh, yeah, all right, I, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I get you. I think that once they hit a certain point, they got really, really, really good. For a while, it was very much just like, I love my girl. Twist and how about that? It was that kind of over and over I think again. it's pretty bad, yeah. I get that. But they are still the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, no I, no, I love them. I love them. I love them. Again, Sgt. Pepper's yeah. changed my life. Yeah, it's great. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Next up, Chin Han has been cast as Shang Tsung in the new Mortal Kombat movie. He, You'll know him as Lao from The Dark Knight, yep. as well as a bunch of other stuff. He's great. Awesome casting. Yeah. And this... Oh, fucking yes. Hir- Hiroyuki Sonata has been cast as Scorpion. <sighs> Fuck yes. Let's go. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect casting. You know him. At, he was in The Wolverine. He was in recently Avengers Endgame. He was the Yakuza boss that Hawkeye was fighting. He's fucking awesome. He's going to work. Per- yeah, it's going to Great work Japanese perfect. actor. Can't wait for this movie. Could be more pleased. Oh, oh. Can't wait. Next up, Netflix and Martin Scorsese's upcoming gangster film, The Irishman, is going to clock in at a whopping three and a half hours long. Fuck. I, I'll be, I'm okay with that. I. It better be good. <laughs> it will be. It will be. <laughs> We're talking Godfather 2 lengths here. I want this to be good. Jesus. Three and a half hours. You can't cut anything? No, I mean, the new It that's coming out is 2.45, and I'm, yeah. that's already intimidating. You add another hour on top of that, yeah. you get the Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And Scorsese will be all right. <laughs> I hope so. Well, next up, TV actress Valerie Harper has died at age 80 of brain cancer. She was known primarily for her role as Rhoda Morgenstern on the Mary Tyler Moore Show and its spinoff, Rhoda. Mm-hmm. She will be missed. She was a TV powerhouse. Rest in peace. And finally, Richard Linklater has begun work on his next project, an adaptation of the musical Merrily We Roll Along. The only caveat, caveat ugh, is that he is going to spend the next 20 years of his life working <laughs> on this movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He says he wants to allow the characters in the film to age in real time. And really, I would only trust him to do this, because yeah. he's already done it once. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, why not do it again? Linklater has already accomplished a similar feat with 2014's Boyhood, yeah. which was filmed in real time over 12 years, uh-huh. and was nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Ethan Hawke, Best Director for Linklater, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. It won Best Supporting Actress for Patricia Arquette, and was a very good movie. Hell yeah. But 20 years... Just 
Dude, like, why? Because he's crazy. He feels like he's done everything at this point, so... But that's such a... like. It, the thing about Boyhood, if he loses any footage, the movie's over. Like, if anything gets accidentally erased, it's done. Especially Boyhood. Boyhood, he used all... He, everything was film, so, like... Yeah. He, and he, yeah, he did that, you know... I know, I, I love Richard Linklater, so... I'm all... I, anything he does, I don't really care. You know, he's warranted all of my respect, you know? Yeah. So, I... For me personally, that's not... I'm not speaking... I don't think he's, like, a renowned guy that everybody needs to know about, but personally, as a fan, I love a lot of his stuff. You know, the guy made fucking School of Rock, so... But 20 years. No, I know, this is a whole... This is a whole... Hell. This is a whole new thing. Yeah, of course. That's, that movie will be coming out in, like, what, 2040? Yeah. Jesus. Well, the thing is, is that he didn't talk about Boyhood. He just did it. And then it came out. So people didn't really know that when it first started filming, that Ethan Hawke just fucking came out with Training Day. You know, and she didn't know that because they're only they, boyhood. You know, this is probably more backstory than these people even want to know. But whatever, <laughs> give a shit. So with boyhood, they got together once a year, one one weekend. So they're there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they just hang out and film every weekend. So that's all they were doing. I, I assume it'll be a similar approach where it's not like this. Hey, we gotta get together for a month every year, and like I, I assume it'll be more of like a. I think he just wants to prove repetition is really cool. And repetition in film is very rare to find because people would just want to rehash it, remake it, and use new actors all the time. I think he's going to like prove if you use a little patience, you can make something really special. This is more than a little patience, <laughs> but it is Richard Linklater. He has done this before. I'm I'm all in, and I cannot wait. When that does come out, I will be seeing it. <laughs> Me too. Just to find out what the hell he did for those twenty years. I'm just blown away by that. That that's even. Oh, you know, you could say the same thing. Do. What was he doing for 12 years with Boyhood? I said I did say that when I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, well, like, and, and, <laughs> and a lot of people watch it and they're like, well, "Nothing happens." And you're like, well, that was the point. Well, no, it's like when I saw the movie, I was amazed at how he was able to do this. Yeah, and I do think he should have won director for that. Mm-hmm. Well, he lost to Bird for Bird Birdman, so I'm not. I can't complain. Yeah, but I've watched Birdman again. I have not watched Boyhood again. It's a one and done kind of. It's movie also three hours, so that's kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just you know if Marilyn. Oh Lee yeah, will... Birdman is amazing. So yeah, it's it's tough. But... If he's gonna spend twenty years on this, I hope it's good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Best of luck. Rachel well, we're gonna forget it. about it. So and then it'll come out. We'll go, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we're celebrating the twentieth anniversary of this podcast, because we'll... he's gonna come out with ten movies in between that time. That's true. So, yeah. You know, he's he's always working. He's always low budget indie film, so he can yeah. do whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, props. All right. Good luck. Yeah, have fun. That's all for this week, folks. Next week, oh boy, one of my favorites. When the Jews return to Zion and a comet fills the sky and the Holy Roman Empire rises, then you and I must die. From the eternal sea he rises, creating armies on either shore, turning man against his brother till man exists no more. Mm. 1976, arguably the greatest biblical horror movie ever made, The Omen. Tells the story of a young boy named Damien Thorne, who unbeknownst to his politician father Robert, is the one true Antichrist and the natural born son of the devil. We'll focus primarily on the original classic, but we will also talk about the three sequels, the unsuccessful TV series Damien, and the 2006 remake. Don't miss it. See you next Wednesday, boys and girls. And remember, we all float down here. <laughs>